Zach, what an honor to nice meet you. Nice to meet you. I've had an ox for a long time. It solved the biggest problem I'd ever had trying to record guitar for myself. I, I make pedals. I, I make mythos I've pedals. Heard, I've heard, I've heard. So, again, I've heard the voice. Uh, and I get to hear it in person. Which right. Is... And when I, when I started taking it, you know, as seriously as I could, I, I lived in an apartment and I needed to make demos and I, I couldn't. No tube amp, you know, one watt, two watt didn't matter. I couldn't capture it. But that, like changed everything. So thank you for saying that because I, I, I you, if you don't mind calling my mom and tell her okay, I'm, I'm okay in the business. Get your phone. We, we'll just call her and say he's gonna be okay. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It's one of those things where it's it's hard to explain until you see one. Yeah. Because it's uh, you know, it's like it's one thing to say, well, I'm gonna make a pedal. Like, okay, I kind of understand. Like, you're gonna make a thing that goes plugs into a tube amp yeah. that then plugs into an iPad or a computer and it's like what is all of that right so it, it was definitely a uh, an interesting thing to think this little thing that we just sort of made for us mm -hmm. was actually useful for everyone which is really wild so thank you it's, yeah. it's uh, I'm always embarrassed to well to, and so it's used to seeing only in my my little room while we're working on it right see it out in the wild it's pretty shocking still well and that's I mean that's the thing that, that I deal with you know, being a builder myself is like you can't, you tend to forget how how hard you've worked yeah. and how good stuff actually is because you're just you're looking yep. they're, they're flipped over this way. Oh yeah, yeah. And you're never seeing them. And then actually hearing people use them and and what how it helps them accomplish their goals is is pretty special. Um, and and it, I'm embarrassed to say I have not yet had ch a chance to try these. Oh well, dude. So, let's, uh, well, we can fix that. Yeah. <laughs> we can. We can. There's nothing more fun than like so. turning knobs and making sounds. Yeah. So, I watched your video with Rhett, which was really cool. Oh man, which again, I'm just like the window dressing and like Tim and Rhett did a. They're just so charismatic and right. you know, which is great. Well, so walk us through like. Like all these are just they're they're just the whole amp kind of encapsulated yeah. in a way. Um, it it was a, a thing of ours. If we're gonna work on something, it has to be from like usually like the input jack to everything that would get to your ears, and 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 much like Ox, that would now include cabinet, speaker, mic, modeling, room processing. So. It, it's no fun if it only gets you sort of there. It, it, so we try to make it where, if you pull up one of these sounds, you should be able to trust that it's a good sound. Right. And I think that was, I'm just gonna go there for a second. You know, when you're growing up and you're starting to learn about gear, you haven't played enough gear to go, is that a good sound or not a good sound? Right. And that's a yeah. weird thing to say out loud because it's music but then, you know, we all listen to records and you realize like, well, yeah, but that had an engineer with a mic and a post reverb and whatever compression trickery was going on and then mastering. So, and because I, I remember sitting around playing my amp going, my amp doesn't sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan or Steve Vai or Wes Montgomery or right. every other uh, like radio. How, why doesn't my stuff sound like that? So that sometimes is the battle for us to go, well, you should be able to plug in, have it sound and feel like damn, but also feel like if you just recorded right now and made up a song, that you should be able to like go, no, that's a that's a good tone. That's right. a keeper. Yeah. And thankfully, with UA being sort of uh, known for recording and the uh, real founder, real Putnam Senior, was so into recording that I get to do all sorts of extra fun stuff to go, well, now let's just work on this part of it so it really finishes off the sound. So. Yeah. 
that's a whole lot of talking and not a whole lot of not turning a plane. So well, we should fix uh, that. Yeah, let's do it. But I'll, I'll give you a good example is, um, I will, in fact, I'm going to switch picks. This is how nerdy this is going to get. I love it. If, if anyone can, you're seeing this. I but, see, I see. You have your, your selection. Yeah, the, uh, our Joseph here put a piece of tape for me here because I was going through so many picks. So if we start with the Ruby, I'm probably going to go with something like this. It's got a little bit of a... Is that a Herco? A Herco? Yep. That's my go-to pick. Yep. So this is my friend John Schenke. He has a special Herco, but it's just, it's pretty much the standard one. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's got it's just got that edge to it, the little abrasive side, and kind of flappy. So I'm gonna go over here. So I I usually classify Ruby as having two distinct sounds. One is the top boost. One is the non-top boost. Right. Um, so I'll try to go through it fast. But the non-top boost, oddly enough, didn't have a treble or bass control. And I'm probably telling you stuff you already know, so excuse me. It's all good. Because um, I think if I lose my place, it's like I can't assume everyone knows that. Right. No, yeah, for sure. Because um, I've had people go, why are the knobs working the wrong direction? It's like, well, because AC30s are weird, dude. Yeah. They go the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so you've got this really weird non-top boost amp that just had a cut and some volume controls. Yeah. So we think a cut is present. So I'm like, well, but that's the amp you hear on Queen Records. There was no top boost for Brian May. He never used them. Yeah. Um, he would use this treble booster with this little germanium fuzz, which, you know, pedals. And you start talking weird fuzzes in front of things to boost treble. Right. It becomes part of that sound. So, so there's that side of it. And then the other side being the addition of that circuit that they used to hang off the back of the amp for a while. Because mm -hmm. if you saw an early top boost, they literally just threw in a tube and this tone stack. So an additional stack in there. And then they eventually rolled it into the amp. Uh -huh. And that's the sound you associate it with, like, the edge. Right. That extra, does it chime, is the chimey stuff up top. So I'm going to just make up a sound as fast as possible. We're going to go into Brilliant Side. Again, my bass and treble controls here are going to make no sense. So I like the bass at like nine. Okay. And treble at like nine, which you would think means no bass and no treble. But in this case, um, if you guys want to just uh, think about bass as more of like a... It's a smile curve when the bass is all the way down, so it's all bass and treble. And as you pull the bass clockwise, it actually starts to do this. Okay. So what I'm doing by pulling that bass knob up is actually adding mid-range and pulling the mud out. And if I play that for you, like all the way down, as I raise it, oh, okay, you can hear it go, wow, or it's got no mid. So, Usually you kind of put it up in that range, 9, 10, 11, to get the mid-range back. Okay. So it's not so scooped. Put cut around noon, treble around there. And if I just add this pick and... There's all that chime. Mm -hmm. I can make it even more pronounced by doing this. I think this humbucker should have a coil tap, but right. playing sort of light... Pull those line back just a hair. So we're looking for that clean sound that sounds clean but actually has a little bit of um, non-linear distortion in it. And that is a nerdy way to say harmonic content. Right. Because even though this sounds clean, it's going to compress a little bit. And if you were to look at it, you would see these extra little harmonics up there, which is why it doesn't just sound like a DI guitar, which is boring and flat. Right. So if I give it a little bit of that, you actually get that. Because if it was really clean like this, 
That's truly DI. So that's a lot of talk for what is a, sounds like a clean, basic sound, but it sounds nothing like a Fender to me. Right. Dude. And it, it's, it's that, that compression thing, I think, is the hardest thing for a lot of people. It, it, yeah. If you've never experienced it, right. you don't know how a note kind of like hits and hits, like right. it, it blooms in a way. And and the fact that it captures that is pretty. That's pretty nutty. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, and I, I don't think I've said it at this. Um, some of this had to do with how we bias the amp too. Right. Like there was there was a period where I was going through testing, and it was actually too squishy. So I'm like, oh, I got to go pull the real amp. And it, of course, depending on wall voltage, because the whole thing about this amp is it's getting the power tube distortion with the preamp and everything. And I was I spent a couple of days going back and making sure it did have this kind of hit and then slow recovery at the real amp because that's where all of the fun stuff happens when you when you smack it with a cord is uh in fact i've said this before if you have like a, some marshals when they're on 10 and you hit them hard you'll see the, like the pilot light dim yeah yeah like the whole the whole power system just dies and it's it's a thing so that that to me is one of the things that i can use scientific tools but also it's like oh i can just feel it's wrong Right. Oh, I yeah. Can, or feel it's not there. You go like this feels stiff, or the volume's not rolling right. And there are a bunch of these little gotches in here, which is what takes things like an extra year to finish for us. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you can you can make something sonically have the right content, like mm -hmm. an EQ curve, but that's yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that whenever I've ever worked on stuff, people will say, "Oh, it sounds great." I'm like, yeah, but it's got a it's got to feel it's right. Feel right, and if you like, if you turn the fuzz down or the volume down, is it doing the right thing on all those other little points too? Yeah, yeah. And things things don't scale. It's like I said, well, the weird thing is this thing. Now I think it sounds terrible on ten. You do, and I can say that out loud because the amp sounded like crap right. on ten. This is not an amp you want to put on ten with the with the top boost. Right. So as an example, I'll put it on ten, and and it's gonna just hiss and kind of. You can actually hear it bottoming me out. Yeah, yeah. But the weird thing is, if I roll my volume back, that is a beautiful, clean sounding. And if I put some of this little lexicon reverb kind of thing, and then use the other side of the pig, and I can still roll this thing up. Or you start going. And like, okay, there it is. Yeah. It's not beautiful, but... It's musical. It's musical. Yeah. That's and then that was, point. sorry, my playing is terrible today, my bad, but hopefully you can see where we went from a super chimey clean to what sounded like Radiohead playing AC-30s kind right. of stuff just by this. Right. And it, this is the thing that, that I, it's, it's such a huge part of the equation with all of this that... I, I don't know. Like anytime I'm asked, like what what, sh what pickup should I change? What should I do? It's like just start playing with your yes stuff. With this stuff, like I love works. pedals. Like you know, you build pedals. You, how many cool pedals are there that the sounds are just the volume on seven or yeah. six or five, or move to the neck and roll this back and or even where you pick has such a oh, incredible man. response. I mean, especially with the sound like that. Oh yeah. Like, you know. We, we could spend like two hours talking about like, leave this in one crazy setting that is usable like this, and then change the pick, change the pickup, play over here lighter, 
and it's one of the reasons why I feel like sometimes if I have less stuff to worry about, that I play more. Well, yeah, because it's... Yeah, totally. I, it, I, I harp on about it. It's You need to spend more time playing, playing. guitar because it, it's, you know... It should be fun. It should. In fact, the guitar you're holding, I always think of that as like that's like the ultimate like man's man's guitar. Yeah. Because if you can't make it on a telly, I mean, you can't hide on a telly. It's gonna be bright. In fact, I hate to say this. Sorry, the neck pickup stock pretty useless. Yeah. Yeah. We. We've <laughs> I mean, talked. Maybe that's fighting words. I'm sorry. No. No. I, I mean, I, I I don't disagree with that. It There's can so, be. Sometimes you'll get a good one. But I mean, it's, it, here's the. This is where. Or here. Here. The, the in between. But that weird, that weird cap they used to put on the old ones that just turned it into mud. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like, well, who really used that thing? Yeah. But but it's again, that's a guitar where you really have to play. Yeah. And that with like one of these amps kind of things is you're like, oh, you can kind of get the beauty of like less options means you're just gonna play more musically sometimes and. And I think the, the problem with some of the stuff for us is how do we give everyone the sounds they need faster with less head scratching? Right. Which is why, like, there's only one real knob that does any of this weird sort of boosty sort of modification stuff. It's a switch and a knob. So, so, if I, so the, I think of that as 50% of the Ruby is that top boost that can sound trashy, can sound break, real sort of like... Um, uh, overly timey if you're not careful. I'd, crispy. I'd crispy and like, okay, let's call it hard garbage. I'm sorry. That's what it is. <laughs> it's a dumpster fire. You, you know, the best yeah. thing about this though, it like a vintage Vox, it doesn't, it won't get hot. It and, won't, and, and it set. won't blow up and it won't cost you 200 bucks an hour to get it fixed either because you, you blew the vintage transformer, which I've done. I'm sorry. You know, you, it's, so that, that's half of that. The other side of that is I'll give you the fun experiment of, Gonna change picks again to the screen guy is of the non-top boost and again i'm going to use these words carefully the terrible tone of the, the normal channel on its own which is awesome and terrible you know so i'm going to just flip to normal i'll just leave it on 10 so now treble and bass don't do anything we're going to just put the cut all the way up which again in this case means counterclockwise oh right which is so messed up and it's a really dark muddy sound yeah, you can hear it. it's it's fun, but it's mud. So because uh, is the cut, it's basically like a tone knob on the power section. Yeah, of the it's amp. A, yeah, it's kind of a presence control. Yeah. yeah, it's totally just that. And in fact, here, in fact, you want to you play, and I'll okay. turn it off for you. So, so in this case, that boost when it's off doesn't do anything. The minute I turn it on, it's going to engage that molar sort of uh, range master okay. circuit. Right there. All of a sudden. You've got this open vocal sort of vowel-y, because without it again, with it, and then we start hitting with, I think it's 26 plus dB of gain. Right. It's modeling, so we just put it all the way up. And that's it. It does some weird stuff, but it's immediately that sound. Yeah. And, and one of the fun things for me is just what you would do to change that sound, just try a different speaker if you don't like the EQing of it. Because I, I double down, like I'm, I'm on the blue speaker on my side. I actually like the more mid-rangey silver. 
totally has that singing sound. So that, those are the two sides of the amp as I, I sort of see it as. Right. I love top boosts that do the, the edge Tom Petty, sometimes beetle kind of thing. But it's I haven't seen anyone really try to tackle like the Queen sound from top to bottom. Right. Well, that I mean, yeah, and that it's a hard sound. You know, it's thinner than you think it is. It's, and what like okay, just a sidebar, the little amp, the the Dicky amp, the Dicky the, the bass player, yeah, he made. And so w- was that was that blended in? Like how did that factor into the Queen? As far as I knew, the more layers of guitar he would do. Then he would just switch to the Diki. Okay. Because you figure that's a pretty aggressive mid-range. Yeah. And you figure how many times can you do an overdub with that same tone where it's just not going to build up? Right. Um, okay, this is going to sound really bad. This was the thing uh, certain producers used to have a problem with when modeling first came out. It was like, oh, you don't want to do more than two or three overdubs on a pod. Right. Because you're starting to build up these frequencies that are all just kind of sitting on top of each other. There's not enough difference in them. And so that's... That's probably why you end up with Jimmy Page going, well, I used a, a Supro for some stuff or the Marshall or an Orange or like that. You use this AC30, but then you use something even, I mean, he's already small and focused. Right, yeah, I mean, yeah. He went literally super small to go the other direction. And the people that don't know, it was like, it's like a radio, or it was a car speaker? Yeah, I think it was some kit speaker, with a, uh, some kit amp thing with his car speaker yeah, it was that very the bass strange. player put together because he liked to mess with electronics. Yeah, it was very weird and like a honky... Or it was just an odd sound. Yeah, and, and there it's, but it's it's that lore of like, you know, this is a unique sound. Okay, let's be honest too. It I mean, really was handed to him from uh, this guy Roy Gallagher. Oh yeah. yeah and you see let's videos. Let's forget. Yeah, let's forget. <laughs> there's video of Roy with an AC30 and a treble booster with this sound, and and Brian fully gives him credit for it, and you know everything has to start somewhere. Right. But it's a really unique sound. Again, sometimes being Think about the limitation of that amp is what made him use some weird booster and gave us this sound. Because if the amp had treble controls, this sound would probably be completely different. Totally. So it wouldn't it would never happen. Yeah, it would not have it would not have happened. It's like that the story they tell about Peter Gabriel telling the drummer, like, okay, now this song, no hi-hats. So now you have to actually be more inventive and musical right. with your toms and your snare and your kick. There's something about having a few knobs that just become the musical challenge to your brain. Yeah. I love, again, I work at the wrong company to say I don't like tweaky stuff. I live tweaky stuff all day long. Right, yeah. But even I draw a limit to like, well, I'm spending more time tweaking knobs than I am playing guitar. Right. And, and to me, like if I had, if if, if this was a, an integral part of my rig, it wouldn't, there, there wouldn't be much more than like this in front of it. You know, you have a reverb, maybe an echo. Because yep. as many pedals as I made and as I have, my board is usually four or five things. Because, that's pretty small these days, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a drive and, you know, an echo and stuff. Because that's that's what inspires me here, which as I've gotten older and been playing guitar, I realized, like, that's the important part. Right. And to, like, this for, like, going into an interface or just playing, I think is so fun and smart and, and accessible for people that don't just want to go the plug-in route. Right. Because, like, you could take... It, it, it's, oh, it, it is that in a way, but it's so that. much more than but that. more than that. And, and, and I've, I've sort of found this whole thing about... I, I love pedals. I'm just going to say right now, I have more pedals than I should have. Don't, don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> and and, I, and I, it was the one thing, I think, when I was growing up that I could afford because I couldn't buy vintage guitars, but 
everyone could afford a pedal once in a while. Right. Until the Klon came out. Until the well, and everyone freaked out. But that was not of his making, according to his own marketing on his <laughs> in the red KTR. In the days before pre pre KTR, you know. But again, it, it's okay. I'll just say I I heard the pedal when it first came out when they were like three hundred bucks. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm not spending three hundred bucks right, on that. Exactly. Yeah. And that it's like yeah. now I'd get a tube screamer for fifty dollars. Yeah, dude, two screamers are fifty or hundred. If you found a TS anyway, okay, we're talking one fifty, dude. Yeah, yeah. TS10s, nobody. It was still kind of nobody. I the think, jacks broke. I don't know why they want them now. And I've talked about this a lot. Why? Was it, is it John Mayer? Do I have to it's blame totally John? John? It's totally John Because Mayer. Stevie did have them once in a while, apparently. He did. And then, well, he, he had the nine. According to everything I've read and researched, he never had an 808. Right. Uh, he had a nine, and then he had a 10. Then he, I'm saw sure 10. he broke them, and he replaced I, I, them. I'm sure he didn't give a crap either. No. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, the TS-10 thing really... Gets under my skin for some reason. It does. It does. Because they're just so poorly made, and there's like two resistors that are different or yeah, something than a nine. Than a nine, and, and honestly, yeah, I, I've gone through this because uh, I remember seeing that going. Well, I actually liked the Sonic Distortion more for a while, which was the SD nine yeah. to that because it actually had some bass frequencies in it. Right. They're so bright though. They're they, bright though. They're it's a different. Okay, now we're just gonna go left turn. Because I think it's a passive tone circuit in that one where the the, the yeah the two screamer should have had an active thing. We just put everyone to sleep. That's fine. They're, that's what they. That's what they. They came here for. <laughs> then I. Then I. I'm sorry, man. Because then we're all going down together, folks. Uh, yeah, but you know, there's but there as I found with some of this stuff. Like a, a, a range master or just what we call treble booster, that is a terrible thing with certain amps. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then you find one use case like, whoa, that with this works. The tube screamer with a black panel amp that has no mid range works because it puts the mids back. Yeah. So you end up, so that's why we have to buy all the pedals. That's right. And, and, and like the, the treble boost thing, I think, is kind of coming around. And like hearing this is cool because it does, it replicates that sound. But if that was on this, on the dream, oh, it'd be it weird. would be really weird. It'd be broken. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's. It, but that comes from research and then realizing everybody has a different path. So yeah, and it's almost like being well. Maybe you listen to certain artists. You go, well, maybe that's not. I don't want to sound like them, but that's a neat tone. Yeah, because there's another problem I have. Like man. All tones are valid. They're just waiting for some vehicle, some song, or some creative use to make it a thing now. Yeah, uh, my my old bass player, my old band, sent me an article about how shitty is pretty, and how like it's not about just like this. It's about the song. About the song. And right. if you isolate it, it could be really terrible. It's terrible. No, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I can't get no satisfaction. That uh, Maestro Fuzz is terrible. It doesn't sound like a horn section. No. That's what, that sounds like a horn. That's how we sell in these fuzzes. <laughs> Replace the horn section. Was it unique? Yes. Yes. Did it become its own thing? Yes. Yeah. And Did then it, everyone that bought that that fuzz after the fact was like, "What the hell, what is, the hell this? is this thing? Double you A know? batteries? What? Well, double A batteries? <laughs> or, or like the whammy? Like, okay, I don't." That's weird, but then you hear Radiohead's use of a whammy, and you're like, oh, okay, someone really creative takes something that maybe wasn't as cool as it could have been, and then, then it becomes cool. So An artist gets a hold of an it. An artist. Or someone, someone <laughs> a real who, artist. Yeah. Well, you know, someone without baggage. And it's a, right. So the problem I have with things is I love the real amps, and, and we, we can keep going through it. It's like uh, everything that's in these pedals is a real-life thing in my room. Right. The mic, right down to each mic, each alternate speaker, everything, 
I've probably spent more time just miking one of those speakers to make sure it was mic'd right, then do the work that, like, if this didn't sound good in the real world, there was nothing that was going to help this as a developed piece of hardware modeled sound. It's, it all comes back to the source. Right. So I'm a huge ZZ Top dude. It, it, the, the, there's, it, Billy has never given a straight answer about what he has used. He never give a straight answer. Yeah, and I think that's, I'm sure it's by design. <laughs> yeah, it, it all, whatever he tells you also sounds cool, so it doesn't yeah, even yeah. matter. But the Woodrow, I mean, I, I don't know, every, people say it could have been a brown panel, black. Or but, a champ or, even, yeah. or Marshalls, I've heard but other combos. How, how does, how, does this get, can this get to that early, like, first record sort of? I, I think so. I think we can do it. I also don't mind even doing it with the Dream because there's yeah. the weird thing with the Dream is some of the mods are things to put back to mid range. Because mm -hmm. as we think about these these moves from Tweed to the black panels, you could see Leo starting to try to get the ornery mid range out and make them cleaner, nicer, prettier. Yeah. And I hate to say there's something very raw about leaving mid-range honky and edgy and scratchy. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably why certain tweed players don't like black panel amps because they're actually too nice. Right, yeah. Um, so I put try to put the ugliness back on this. So, okay, so we, we, I'm going to just guess it. I actually, okay, I have three ZZ Top tunes that I actually test pedals with. You do? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, I even put them in looper pedals if I'm tired of playing all day. So there's absolutely been a ton of ZZ Top played through all of these. Okay. I, so like I'll, well, can I'll we, tell you. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I can tell you what one of my test drifts is, and I'll just see if I can make up a tone. So if I was doing this, I'd probably just use the stock speaker, which in this case is called JB12, stock mode. Tone I always start in the middle at noon. Okay. And sometimes you know you could just put the amp volume, which again these are actually auto jumpered. Oh so right. So there's a mic too, so. If you leave the mic tube down, it won't jump or Y cable kind of thing. The minute you turn it on, it pre-wire, it will wire the, the cable in, the Y, so now you're in both. So I just usually leave that up. In fact, what I'm gonna do, let's just go to Celestion. We're gonna make it even more rock. So GB25, and one of my, and I'm not even sure if this is gonna be the right sound, but I'm just gonna go for it anyway, because I don't have a 59 unless Paul Right. You have one right now? Uh, not not, not with today. Me. Not with you. Okay. No, it's at home. <laughs> I, my, my bad. I'm sorry. I should have. If you called me, I would have. I, I know. It's, 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 uh, they're so easy to fly with. And so like, even this is gonna be pretty nasty. But like, so one of my test drifts is actually. Hopefully, we don't get you in trouble by playing anything like this. Nah. <laughs> but I'll just play two or three notes of it. Oh. You know where I'm going with that. Yes, <laughs> without getting in trouble. So that is actually one of my favorite sort of, because uh, he did, I always feel like he hybrid picked that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So you've got. So there's that one, which I put it, but if I do it on the, the Dream, it's going to just sound a little nicer. So I'm going to do the same thing over here. So let's go into the uh, GB25 at top. Okay. We're going to put the DTEX in, and we're going to put the boost at like noon. Okay. Volume at noon. We didn't even put the tone controls at noon. So what what we're doing in that DTEX is uh, what that actually means is removing the tremolo circuit. Okay. So you don't have the loading of the tremolo circuit in there. So, so you're recovering get, some gain. Yep. You get some gain back in the preamp. You get rid of the tubes. The, the tubes are a little hotter. 
uh, it also starts to pull the tone stack out a little bit. Okay. Because usually certain amps, you can remove the whole tone stack. Because you already know all this no, stuff. No, that's okay. They need to um, know. They need to know. Uh, Fender tone circuits really just kind of load down stuff and well, bring them back up. it's a passive thing that just takes so much it out takes, of it. It takes stuff out of it. So yeah. right. You're, when you're, you think you're, you're bass on tin, you're really just putting stuff back up to where they should be. Right. So this case, it actually starts pulling it out completely, which is a, a, a D mod. Yeah. A lot of my old dumbbells, they used to have a boost, but it just means tone stack removal. Yeah, and that's just lifting the ground off the mid-pot, Off the right? mid-pot, right. But actually, right, so what I did here is I'm letting you pull a little bit out or at a time. Mid-resistor, rather. A resistor, yeah, it's yeah. a pull-up resistor. Yeah. So, but in this case, rather than being all or nothing, I'm letting you pull up the vibrato, and then you can start pulling that out a little bit at a time. Okay. So if you put it all the way up, then it's tone stack completely gone. Oh, okay. And then you pull out a little, so I should have just, I have an amp that kind of does some of this stuff. It's great. It's fun, because <laughs> yeah, but just a little bit is, I'll take the reverb out, sorry. Yeah. Put a little bit more in here. Because I want that mid-range to come back and make it almost like it's going back to tweed. Here's the other one, which is, or one of the three is. Uh... Oh, that's one of my favorite solos. Isn't it great? Isn't yeah. that a great solo? I, I probably just got you demonetized or you could, Edit that you, little piece up. You can't even find Aguayo on anything anymore. Really? It, like, it's not on Spotify. I don't know. So it's weird. Is it not? It's weird because, but you got the. But that whole thing of. I mean, how are those not some of the greatest like rock tones ever? Yeah, that that track's funny because I feel like every because there's kind of two parts to that solo because it's like. All right. Uh, I feel like that's each one's a different guitar or something. Oh, could be because they sound kind of different when you go. But that I mean, the, we're never gonna find out. He's never yeah, no, it. no. But there there was a. But so th these are some of the things I would I would play on here is getting that and. Oh, I don't, I'm going to just be one giant publishing and, you know, record label lawsuit. Is that I have certain things that, like with the A, sort of Ruby AC30 kind of thing, like if it can't do like certain uh, U2 songs right. or Tom Petty tunes, like I will play the same riff over and over and over until it sounds like it. Right. And that requires certain guitars and actually string gauges. Totally. Pickups. You know, um, like I have to have certain like PAFs that level outputs that are not hot pickups. Right. Yeah. Because what I want to do is have someone go, well, well, I'm a 335 person and I use tweeds. I want them to feel like I did that homework for them and it should sound right. Right. And that just means a lot of gear and a lot of like listening and playing and. Sure. And uh, but I think anyone who makes gear for a living, I mean, how many stock riffs do you have that you use to test stuff? Oh yeah, a, a lot. You must have one or two. You're like, well, this is my litmus test. If it can't do this, yeah. I mean, the, it, I mean, for, from ZZ, it's you know, that oh, one right. comes a lot. Um, uh, yeah. like, you know, that sort of thing. You know, because that, like those riffs, in, in in this kind of, I mean, I think that kind of nailed that. There's a like the high end that's it's present, but it's not like stabbing you in right. the forehead. You know, and that that's the thing that with my stuff, I've had people say, Oh, these are kind of bright. I'm like, well, old, old like gear is bright. Gear is bright. In fact, okay, we'll we'll stay on that. I'm gonna show you one thing. So I'm gonna get you into a mode here. So okay. if we do this, so I think that camera could probably see the, see there's three stock ones. 
Okay. Um, there, it also goes green. So unfortunately, that means those labels don't actually work anymore. Sure. They don't, they're not what they are, but they're three extra cabinets. So the last one is probably the brightest speaker known to man, called the JBL D120. Okay. It's the aluminum dust cap whole thing. And if you're into like jam band, Jerry Garcia, or pedal steel playing, okay. it's the ultimate sound. And I wanted this so bad for me. And actually, the guy who owns a, a UA Bill, he is a giant Jerry Garcia 11 guy. Okay. He has the hard trucker cabinets. He went down the path, man. Uh -huh. So I'm like, I got to put this in there. So so I like it for that sort of clean sound. So I'm going to show you. So, so it's, I wanted to show you that because it's going to show you green bottom. It'll say EV12, but it's not. Right. So this is a JBLD. What I don't like about it is any kind of distortion. Right. It just sounds like rats fighting with each other. You know? <laughs> and union rats at that because this is, this is a union gig, I think. So I'm going to pull the volume to like 9 or 8 o'clock. Okay. I actually like a lot of bass, like 3 o'clock and then put the treble at noon. And I take off all the mods. So I can put it in stock, turn the, the boost off. And if you use a Strat sound... <laughs> It's going to be super. There's that. So the difference with that and like the original stock speaker is going to be night and day. Go back to the JBL. Little reverb. Without getting in too much trouble, that's what gets you that. That's yeah. like the Jerry thing. Yeah, it's so, it sounds so immediate. It's, it's totally, because you hear, he was a guy who used to like to finger pick. Yeah. And everyone who liked these speakers wanted to hear their right hand. They wanted to hear that. I'm not very good at doing the Bakersfield country playing, but when you get the. You just can't do that with, with uh, a normal, like, Jensen Eminence right. CTS speaker. Well, that's going to have all that note separation and the clarity yeah. and everything that, that you have to have. You have to have it. And one of my favorite things with this is, like, using that sound. Because it, it could be not sterile, but it's definitely a cleaner sound. But using that as an ambient basis for, for putting on reverb and delays, then you get a nice... It almost has that little... And that's nothing that crazy. It's just a little bit of Bucket Brigade delay and some reverb. Right. But the fact that you can actually hear my fingers move. I can take off the delay. And then none of that. That. Or even turn on the tremolo. So that's one of those fun things where I think when you're tone chasing, what are the one or two things you can do to an app that doesn't require an engineering degree is just changing out the speaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the, the I, well, with if, any of the newer reissue style oh, yeah, amps yeah. like this, that's the first thing it's, most folks should do. They should, and I hate to say some amps get a bad rap because like, I don't like that reissue. It was like, it's probably just the speaker. Yeah. But uh, okay, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but I bought a pallet of Jensen reissues and they're just not made the same anymore. No. It, it's just like, well, that's a really bright Jensen. And then the older ones I had, again, taking out the fact that some of them are 50 or 60 years old. Right. 
So you're, are you trying to make the sound of the gear as it was bought new or as it was played in, broken in over 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years? Right. So yeah. these are the things that means I, I, don't, I don't get nice things and I can't sleep. Because it's like, well, what, what, is, what is the sound I'm trying to get? Do you, do you want the fuzz face sound? Does it have to have old, you know, NKT275s from a certain year? Or can you just be cool with... Yeah, I mean that that's that's the the realm I live in. It's like I I I would argue that to most people and I'd be curious what you think. Germanium versus silicon. Oh, that's if, a good one. Oh. If tuned properly, most folks might not know much of a difference. Okay. If at all. This is going to be like shots fired <laughs> immediately. Um I use both. So the first problem with all of that is the destination. What amp is it going to go through? Right. Um, I've found that if I'm playing through Marshalls that are a little warmer with Celestians that are darker, the silicon ones do a better job. They cut through better because obviously what's the first big constraint to that is there's no damn tone control. Right. It is what it is. Um, so I've just to keep it, you know, A and B. So that would be a rig. The Germanium ones, and I, I have, um, this is a weird story as a, was given a, a friend of mine had one in a closet. It was an original first year '66 stock. It's really big and buttery. Right. It's so big and buttery that it actually doesn't work very well in a dark amp. Right. It's too too big. Well, they have such a huge input cap. Yeah. It's, that it just blows out a lot of people. And 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 that's the thing that you know again brightness. Yeah. I mean, you you have to think with those those pedals and of that time, people are playing a crank Marshall. Right. With the treble way up, with a, I mean, a, a 50 foot coily cable or something. Or maybe terrible. even like a bunch of them through a wah, another 50 foot here. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going exactly where I'm going, which is the minute you figure out, well, is my amp core sound bright or dark? That's usually, and I have a whole bunch of fuzz faces. This is terrible. I even have like hybrid ones that are both. Yeah, yeah. They're love these things. Uh, so yeah, so usually I figure that out, and then I would pick the fuzz face that would work best on the on that amp. Right. So if it's a Fender amp where I'm trying to get a clean sound, I would probably start using the germanium ones. Right. And if I and sometimes what works better is if they're uh, actually have too much fuzz. I actually like them. There's a point where I pull the knob back, and you hear it go. Shh. Oh yeah, when the hiss goes away. His just goes like away, a sweet a spot. Sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. Right where that hiss kind of like yeah. pulls back a hair. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, oh no, that's so weirdly enough. I don't even use them on ten much because I, yeah, I look for the sweet spot and go, well, is it too bright or too dark? So again, we have to buy all of them. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Is that is that the, is that not even a good answer? No, to that? I think that's a fine answer. I I'm the guy that if I had one of those, I'm like, well, this doesn't work, then I'm taking it apart. And right, pulling the caps out, you pulling and caps out, or changing transistors, and but that, but I think that's the journey of like, well, I know just like the, with the trouble booster, I know this works with this. If I have this guitar and this fuzz with that amp, that works. I mean, I, okay, this is going to sound even terrible. Uh, more, I, I have certain cables I write down the capacitance on. That's great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because you have to be well consistency. Yeah, yeah. One, and then the more I do things where the amp is really loud and really overdriven uh anyone, you can hear all that so much you hear more. that crap and and they they oscillate all of these amps want to run away they actually need some capacitance to tame them before they get there 
So I, I have a bunch of vintage cables that are like a thousand. <laughs> so what does that number mean? If I say it's a thousand, that's probably two or three times more than a modern capacitor cable. So maybe you get you get a really nice cable that's got 300 or 400 picofarad on it. You start talking a, a coiler cable that's got 1300. Yeah. And then you have two of those. You, you're getting into this. You're, yeah, you're literally doing that, which is like, well, how did Jimmy get this great fuzz sound? Well, that, that cable probably rolled all the eyes off. And Compensated on the amp. On the amp. And then he had the... Then that. But this is the stuff that's like, no one should spend their time knowing this, but then somebody has to bring it up. Right, yeah. And go, why this doesn't work, I don't know. Sure. And then there's only so many parts of the chain. So that, unfortunately, means for me, when I'm doing all this stuff, I look at the wall voltage coming in. Well, that's, I mean, for, for this... You, to know, you have to know. You have to know. You have to know what's coming through the wall. Because that, that amp needs to sound the same every day, even if the wall voltage is the same. Because we're doing power tube distortion, right? That wall voltage drops. That amp does not distort as much. Or if it gets too much, it gets then it's going to do that. Feel totally different. And this is going to make everyone feel way better that they don't do this. Uh, I did run a test with my friend Ross, who worked on the Dream with me. I said, "Great, we're going to just spend a whole day, and we're going to we're going to listen to the same content. I'm going to print it." Like 20 times. So 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, all the way up to about 129. Oh, okay. And I basically took this giant session and then I just sat with it for a week and go, now which one of these really is the sound of the fender? Really? And you immediately hear the amp either being muddy or then it started getting too strident. Right. It got real. Because <laughs> something like, oh, God, there's like 122 volts coming in. The amp didn't sound good. Right. It sounded kind of hashy. And funny enough, where I landed what was like 116, 117. That's what I've always heard is the 115 around that. 115, 16, 17 was like the sweet spot. Kind of good in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at that. This room is 122, 23. Oh, okay. Like, there's, I don't have a watch that does that. I'm actually pointing to a Furman thing over there. It's, it's, it's telling me that. It's not, I'm not that bad. I can <laughs> you hear it from here, room, You got your multimeter. Like, let's yeah, say. Or we can just hear it. You know? <laughs> Can't you hear it? It's 126, everybody. No, but, it, it, but as you do this for consistency's sake, just like you would measure transistors, you, you ha have to. You yeah. have to do that. If you're trying to repeat something you think sounds good, or why does this one amp sound good and this one doesn't, well, maybe it's not biased. Right? Maybe they're bad tubes and maybe they're just good tubes and you got a bad batch yeah so i spent so and much the tolerance time. of that pod is way oh it's 20 percent. oh there's my, my back just cracked thinking about that because you you realize and this is this is not bad at all there's no way any two pieces of gear can sound alike if you throw in the fact that every single part of the 20 percent tolerance that means 20 percent 20 percent 20 so you've got this basically slush of where things can land so i use a term and we all do it on the, it's a, called unit to unit variance. I'm done the minute the real amp, I have a couple of them, if those couple of real amps can sound kind of close, and then I take this and I do an AB blindfold test. And if you can't tell which one's one of the two real things and the third one being one of these, then I'm done. Yeah. Because yeah. you've already hit 90 plus percent of I, now I'm just making guesses. And if I can get to unit to unit variance or variation, then you have to walk away. Right. Because no, I can't get the real gear to sound the same. Yeah, you're chasing your tail. You're yeah. absolutely chasing your and you're telling someone, if I had eight more months of doing this, I might be able to fine tune it three more percent. Yeah. 
It's you gotta let it go. I'm not sure how much of a job I did explaining any of these pedals. You know, I think but. it's great. I think just having the conversation, and that's what that's what we're, our channel is about. Is just talking about this stuff and letting people kind of see behind the curtain. Oh, it's crazy back there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You, you think really, you want to come back? You no, got you don't want it. There's, uh, although I'm well. still begging for no brown M and M's. Well. I think this was great, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to Dude, talk to me and show me some of this stuff, and and us, you know, probably getting a copyright strike. But I think that's it's worth is it, it worth it? Is yeah, it worth totally the strike? Worth it. We're getting hit in the head from, <laughs> from the youth, from from the the music police. I guess yeah, is what yeah. it is. You know, and see, this is one of the things. Maybe you can come back later, and one of our official folks can give you a real demo because I think this is probably why I don't demo the gear. I think you're doing a great job. This so. is. But I I appreciate that because uh, it's 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 like, it's like a it's the best and worst demo ever. <laughs> there's been like no playing. Yeah, you hear that? You, you, you hear that? That's like, like 8K is like professional <laughs> on that speaker. That you can really hear the vintage 57 I used on that one, which that's a that's a two-hour discussion of the vintage mics used and Neves that are on the, on the back end. See, they've even just shut down. They're gonna. You guys start flicking the lights eyes on Eyes glossed over. The minute they said, oh, no, they're talking mics. <laughs> You're going to cut the power on us. Well, awesome. Dude, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. Man, thank you. Thank you.